I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Hey there, friend. Thanks for listening. We're back today with a new album from Rolling Stone's greatest albums of all time. Coming in at number 38, it's the anthology 1947 to 1972 a compilation album of Muddy Waters' greatest hits. You know the gypsy woman told me. This is a mammoth album, and we're going to get into it later, but 50 tracks on this album. 50 tracks, two hours and 25 minutes long. And it was a it was a double CD. It was released in right. two thousand and one. It was a double CD. So um, yeah, I'm gonna assume that you had not listened to all or any of this previously. Am I right in assuming that? You're correct. And in fact, I've been unable to actually find two and a half hours to sit through the entire thing, <laughs> even knowing that we had this to do. So I'm still not uh, able to say that I've ever listened to the entire thing from beginning to end. But I believe I have listened to every track at least once. I think I'm in that same boat. I've tried valiantly several times and I try when I've come back to it to come back. And Spotify is helpful because it usually leaves highlighted the last one you listen to. So I've tried to come back to the same yeah. spot and listen to it again. Sure. But uh, unless I'm mistaken, they're sort of in chronological order. So you can hear a little bit of the kind of the earlier sound oh, at the, the beginning and a bit of the yeah. later bit of the later sound it's actually fairly consistent um but you hear slightly different instrumentation in some of the, the later tracks but um recording quality i think it's a little better as it goes on as well it does it does um i had expected this to be you know very repetitive very similar to the feeling i felt when i listened to robert johnson's complete recordings for the first time in chuck berry's grade Mm -hmm. 28 where since i wasn't familiar with it and there was so much of it i just found it kind of blending together that's what i expected to hear before i started i think i'm in the same boat i realized that robert johnson recorded somewhat earlier than 1945 but uh yes I think I expected a lot of similar kind of sounds and influences. And um, for the most part, I think that is true. I think just simply because of the formulaic nature of, of the kind of music style that they're in, in terms of, uh, you know, the blues have a sort of structure to them. Sure. Um, yeah. Even though you can improvise within that and make it sound lots of different ways, uh, it still sort of fits uh, a formula. It does. There's different types of blues and different blues scales and different patterns and structures you can do, but it, there there is kind of a general way to do it. And Muddy Water is obviously a pioneer, so he's doing a lot of this for the first time or the first time recorded. Uh, so again, as we've discussed many times, it's hard to take yourself out of this world we live in where we've been hearing this kind of stuff for seven decades you know right um and it's been built on and built on and everything we know in rock and roll uh has to say thank you to artists like muddy waters creating this type of music so that we could build on it and have 
jazz and rockabilly and rock and roll and everything else that's come after it. So it, yeah. it's hard to, to listen to it and forget that we've heard everything that came after it. Right. Uh, I don't want to make too many general comments just yet before we get into it, but uh, a lot of a lot of content. I'll say that. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of content. Uh, I, I want to just jump right into some details. Are you okay to do that with me? Yeah. Let's go for it. Details. 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 So this compilation album was released August 28, 2001. Most of the tracks are credited to McKinley Morganfield, which is the birth name of Muddy Waters, but he always went by Muddy Waters. It was a nickname given to him by his grandmother who raised him. He does some tracks that were written by other people, whether it was an older track that he uh, redid or had some people help him write them, Mm -hmm. lend to the writing process, but most of them are by Muddy Waters. For this album, I can't find any chart position listed. I can't find any sales listed, so I don't really know how commercially successful it was. Um, I would assume that a lot of people were really interested in this because like many of the artists of his time, he had just a heap ton of singles released in the 50s, 40s and 50s, you know, singles with uh, 45s, most of them, it had one song on one side and one song on the other side. That's all they had space for at that point. So, uh, or even 78s. I don't know if he was releasing on 78s. He might have been early enough. Because I think 45s and uh, LPs came out in the early 50s and he was recording before then. Yeah, this was probably very exciting, but I can't find any info on it. This album was released um, by Chess Records, which I believe was the same record company that released the Chuck Berry compilation album, Great 28. That's right. And another interesting thing that even though this came out in 2001, when Rolling Stone did the first edition of this list, it was at the same position. So it was number 38. And then again, on this list that we use from 2012, it's 38 again. So that's kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, they didn't want to mess with that. They just, let's just keep it there. You know, uh, obviously, as we've discussed before, compilation albums are tricky because we can't find, I can't Google any information for how successful this was as an album yet they put it here obviously because the music and the artist is extremely significant so that that's been a challenge that i know we both expressed um there's a a bit of preamble in the the coffee table book that we've referenced a couple of times that comes out just after the 2003 list and it's the rolling stone list right right just subtly different than that original list um but in the preamble they talk about that struggle and almost make it sound like they you know in their re-ranking took out a few compilation albums um but there's stuff that stays right like um we've already mentioned that this was this was there at at 38 in in all three it stayed at 38 um the robert johnson's complete recordings gets added to the book it was not in the original list but it gets added to the book at 22 because he had a different one right stays in the list for the 2012 list and and things that we've already mentioned like the great 28 and uh uh, the Sun Sessions by Elvis, those were all Sun part sessions, of yeah. all three mm-hmm. um, in the same in the same ranking. So yeah, you can tell there's a bit of struggle. What I'm fascinated by is 
based on the way that the original list was put together in 2003 on a voting system, you know, this is not here at number 38 because an editor somewhere said, oh, we really need some muddy waters. Let's stick it, you know, in this slot. Like, it, it got the votes to show up on the list. Um, yeah, I... Fascinating. I'm a little cynical. I'm a little cynical of that statement. I don't believe that <laughs> of all the people that they that they polled that that many would have voted for this compilation album that just came out when there are people who grew up with sure. you know art we're talking about artists and critics and so many other people um, I don't believe that they're being 100% forthwith on the method mm. that they used so this whole thing's a scam <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I you think, might be right. You know, um, people, I've challenged people on things like when we talk about, you know, uh, reality contests like American Idol and The Voice and other things. And I say, when you have that much money on the line, you do not leave it to the <laughs> totally public to decide what the outcome is going to be. Right. Uh, so I know that's cynical, uh, but but I, Rolling Stone is a massive publication. I think a reason that perhaps your conspiracy theory might be tracking is that there are two other Muddy Waters albums on this list, but they show up much, much later. But they're they're both albums, in a sense, that I can imagine people being inspired by, but inspired to the right, point of yeah. like them showing up later. Um, so his album Folk Singer, which came out in 1964, shows up in the late 200s on both lists in the book. And then a live album, Muddy Waters at Newport from 1960, shows up at 348 um, in both lists. So, I don't know. To me, that would be a far more appropriate spot for one of Muddy Waters' albums to show up. Absolutely. Whereas an anthology like this, all the way, cracking the top 40. um, Yeah, uh, my skepticism is, is a little bit... Uh, up as well. <laughs> Maybe that's not fair. I don't know. Maybe there were people who, you know, two years after this came out, were just like gushing about how important he was. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think, you know, if they pulled people who, you know, grew up in the 60s and 70s were art, and they, and they pulled some really, I know you, you have probably have the book in front of you, but, you know, people like Carol King and other really, really important artists through the 60s and 70s i can't imagine one of them who had maybe several of muddy waters albums they say you know what's your top 50 artists or what's your top 50 albums you know uh participate in this thing we're doing with rolling stone and this is probably in 2001 or 2002 when they started asking yeah and they're going oh i really i really love folk singer but you know what this compilation just came out it i I don't know i don't see that happening but anyway we could speculate (laughs) i think that they tweaked the list a little bit to make it more consumable but that's just me (laughs) there's over 25 different uh, musicians featured on these 50 tracks uh and there's a lot of really big names uh the ones that jump out to me Jimmy Rogers, Otis Spann, Junior Wells, and Buddy Guy. I am familiar with Buddy Guy. I'm not really a big blues fan, but but I do know Buddy Guy. I think Muddy Waters has, you know, cited that he was greatly influenced by Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can see that almost everybody else who came after would probably have been influenced by Muddy Waters. So yeah, it's cool that he's got so many other people with him. Yeah. Um, 
Well, this album was actually released by two different distribution labels, two two different companies, I guess. Uh, Chess and MCA released it as the anthology, but it was also released by Universal Distribution. I'm not sure if that's like internationally, um, whereas Chess and MCA were more uh, North America focused. But when Universal uh, put it out, it was titled as Gold, Muddy Waters Gold. So um, it's possible to find the exact same thing, all 50 tracks, just with a different album title. uh, (laughs) Okay. Oh, that's in the world. Uh, That's really interesting. We we don't. I don't even understand how that happens. <laughs> like, how do you have yeah. two different companies right. do it at the same time? That's weird. Um, unless, um, unless anthology means something in different cultural contexts. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, oh, maybe, maybe it's like a, a slang word in in parts of Europe, and they're like, "Ooh, got to stay away from from that <laughs> word." I have no idea. Um, uh, oh, who, who knows? I, I, it also makes me wonder if it'd be um, possible to find. Uh, record sales if we searched for Muddy Waters Gold instead of Anthology. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So the album cover, and I always find compilation album covers interesting because it's like, I find it harder to see it as art, whereas a lot of the album covers, there's so much art behind it, and a lot of times the musicians themselves have a lot of input into what's there. Uh, this is a kind of lends to that title of gold that we mentioned earlier (laughs) because there's a lot of very gold and yellow tones to it it's a it's a a a tan kind of background faded from light to a little darker but really just a light light tan gold brown uh very small it says muddy waters anthology and you know half of the album is take just a really nice picture of muddy waters um with a button-up shirt on top few buttons undone uh just kind of holding his guitar with a bit of a just a slight yeah. grin it's, it's a really nice picture um very very i find it very soft very gentle um he's just kind of kind of looking up at the camera and it's nice it's not quite as some of the other pictures very he looks very slick with his hair combed a certain way this looks picture looks like it might have been taken more in the i don't know maybe in the 70s where some of the other pictures i've seen him in the 40s or 50s he looks a little more done done up he looks a little more casual here and i've seen other pictures of him black and white also and this is color which makes me believe that it might be a little later so yeah we we've already made a couple of uh, robert johnson references i remember thinking about the robert johnson album cover that it looked somewhat posed and this does too like um mm. okay smile for the camera muddy uh, yeah we're, <laughs> we're gonna get the album cover now and it's like kind of giving a smile it doesn't look like he's in the middle of a performance no it doesn't or, look like he's playing it looks like he's just kind of holding his hands there yeah pretty simple straightforward album yeah. cover yeah uh, yeah just a nice it, a nice it works well i think for a greatest hits collection i yep. think so. i agree i do agree we come to the part of the episode where I usually list verbally all of the tracks. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Just really fast. You can no? if you want, and I'll go. I'll go do some chores. That would be funny if I listed them all. Um, but but we'll say this: that disc one has uh, 16 of the 20 songs previously released on his on an album called His Best, 1947 to 1955. And then disc two has uh, three more tracks from that and 16 more tracks 
were from an album called His Best, 1956 to 1964. I'm not sure exactly when those came out. Uh, obviously, earlier, but, but it it tracks with your earlier comments that uh, the two discs kind of progress through his career. Yes, um, abs- absolutely. Starts with older, gets to later. Yeah, you can he- you can hear it too. You not in a in a horribly yep. jarring way, but you can you can hear it. Uh, and, and not in the quality of the songwriting or the the quality of the songs. They're all quite good, I think. But you can hear just a little bit. You know the complexity changes slightly and the instrumentation slightly and the quality it just it gets a little brighter um you get near the end mm-hmm. uh getting into some better recording technology and one thing that uh we've been talking about quite a lot so much so that i decided to make a separate document to cover it is that we get <laughs> <laughs> we get two more references on this album uh to the phrase Amazing. rolling stone <laughs> so that's why it's at number 38 <laughs> that, that's gotta be it uh f- friend and former guest thomas bono will be screaming at his uh, uh listening device right now as we probably say that jason it, crane too <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just here because it says rolling stone twice but um uh, there's a track called rolling stone um and uh, the lyrics, and this will be a, a nice tie-in to the lyrics uh, as we get into the tracks. In Manish Boy, uh, he says, I'm a Rolling Stone, um, is one of the lyrics. And actually, we'll come back to that part later, because I want to talk about that song a little later. But yeah, two two references. So that is our sixth and seventh direct reference to the phrase Rolling Stone uh, on this list. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go back over what we've had previously? I'll go through them real quick. Um, uh, the first one was uh, the song Like a Rolling Stone, which was on Dylan's Highway 61 Revisited, which is album number four. Then we get an album by the Rolling Stones, uh, Exile on Main Street, which is number seven. Uh, then we skip all the way to album number 30 on Joni Mitchell's Blue. She references the magazine Rolling Stone in the song California. Um, lots of people read in Vogue, read in Rolling Stone. Uh then the next album, number 31, is Bob Dylan's Bring It All Back Home on the cover, which is a picture of him and, and another lady sitting in a room. He's holding a cat, and allegedly the name of the cat is Rolling Stone. Then we have num- the next album, number 32, is by the Rolling Stones again. And then we get these two references on this. So that's seven in 38 albums. So just less than every five <laughs> every every five albums or so we get a reference to rolling stone <laughs> so <Yep>. a common <laughs> theme over the years a phrase which was not started by bob dylan or the rolling stones or the magazine <laughs> it it it, it yeah. predate, predates that by many many years <laughs> to connect that dot muddy waters is what bob dylan is drawing on when sure. he yep coins that phrase which leads to the magazine, right? Um, so it is a an interesting kind of all of those that chain of events, including the Rolling Stones as well, are all yeah. featured in the top forty albums here on this list. Oh yeah, some of them are obvious, like uh, a band called the Rolling Stones. We'll see that, <laughs> but some of the other ones we right. might not discover until we get into the album. Even I think it was right at the <laughs> last minute while we were recording that we discovered about the cat 
named Rolling Stone. Right. So some right. of these uh, yeah. we'll have to see till we get through the all 500, <laughs> how many times this phrase comes up. How yeah, many more? How many more right. times? Do you have any any notes on tracks? I mean, I'm not sure how you want to tackle this. I, I have a few favorites yeah. that I wanted to talk about. I think the, the note that I want to begin with is saying that I, I really enjoy having this album on in the background mm-hmm. but because so much of the sound is similar um nothing really jumps out to me as um specifically you know one that i want to return to i i like this the general overall sound but it's not you know e- each track doesn't really leap out as as something unique and we've talked a couple of times before about with certain artists you can read through the track lists and it doesn't really call you back to the song. <laughs> I think uh, yeah. specifically mm-hmm. of uh, Van Morrison, maybe where we were kind of like, I like the album, but I'm reading through the track list. I don't remember what any of these songs sounded like. <laughs> and I think I get some of that uh, same vibe here. And again, just like Van, I, it's not that I didn't like those songs, um, but something about it just doesn't hook me in the same kind of way. I don't find myself humming these songs later on um and maybe that points more to a genre disconnect that this isn't really music i'm normally seeking out sure uh, yep. and so and similar maybe to uh some of the other more jazz kinds of uh, artists that we've covered so far um i respect them i appreciate them for what they offer but it's not something that's really um uh, in my wheelhouse uh, I will say though I I think the the track that I I am drawn to the most is the uh, alliteration that you hear on I love the life I live I live the life I've loved uh, that latter part is in brackets in the official track title I think in the song it actually goes the opposite way I think he starts by saying I live the life I love and I love the life I live uh, huh. but I, I really like that sort of uh rapid fire um, lyric in there that that, uh, makes me chuckle every every time as well. How about you? What what tracks do you get drawn to? Uh, There's there's a few. I listed a few that kind of jumped. I think the one that I like the most uh, or that just the rhythm of it just keeps sticking my mind. And as you say, they're so similar. It's hard to, especially because I'm not familiar with them, really have a whole lot that I can just kind of hum along in my head later on but one that the rhythm i really like is rolling and tumbling part one Mm. uh it's got that different rhythm instead of that kind of thing it's a (laughs) kind of thing that and i really like that um some other ones i really enjoy uh you shook me sugar sweet trouble no more Uh, i wanted to say just before i move on here that i felt well, a couple general comments here. Number one, I heard a lot of diversity and I found it very interesting and even exciting to listen to. Whereas uh, compared to another blues album, Robert Johnson's, I it was all very, very similar to me. Again, not being as familiar. And I hate to say this, it's kind of boring at times uh, just to kind of slog okay. through it all. Um, but yeah, this yeah. I found very exciting um, and, and it was very upbeat. And I found myself, you know, bopping along in my chair i listened to it um at work if i had some 
you know, some stretches of computer work. I tried to put it on just to one, try and consume it. Two, I really enjoyed it and I found it very uplifting and uh, a lot of it, you know, uh, good tempo and and energizing, surprisingly. I didn't expect that. So, yeah, yeah. number one, I, I really liked it and a lot of different sounds and styles of blues in here. And I really like that. I, uh, his voice is quite good. Um, he has a great voice and uses it well. Uh, yeah. Um, quite a deep he get, he can get quite a deep va- bass i mean he he can sing high in the register but he sings especially i think in some of his later tracks as he's getting older you can really hear your know, really yeah. a low thing yeah. there right but he can he has he has quite a range um i think maybe a lot of people think of him as a you know a pioneer and as a guitar player and as a harmonica player but uh, he's got a great voice too and um i want to say that i think the recording quality is very good now i would expect that this has been remastered uh for this release um i, I would almost guarantee it that being said um as they say garbage in garbage out uh if it's yeah poor quality to begin with you can't do a ton with it there's probably some techs out there who are saying well you know we can now but in 2001 for this to sound as good as it does is very impressive. The guitar mm-hmm. sounds good, very clean, especially, you know, with the exception of maybe some of the early ones on the album. It sounds quite good. The vocals sound good. The other instruments, uh, when they're there, sound very good and clean. Uh, I was surprised. Um, and, yeah. and that makes it, I think, easier to listen to than, again, Robert Johnson, which is is very uh, poor quality in terms of our standards, our recording right, standards. Right. And they didn't have the scratchy. technologies to yeah. support it. Yep. Yeah, very scratchy, very, you know, just not, uh, not anywhere near what we're used to, even compared to this. So that's that. Um, a couple other songs I wanted to talk about. Uh, I really like Manish Boy. Also, uh, I'm excited now that this is uh, you and I recently watched um, the film The Last Waltz uh, featuring the mm-hmm. band. And this is the song that Muddy Waters plays uh, in that performance. He does Manish Boy. Uh, and that's a, that's uh, a Muddy Waters near the end of his life. They, they did that in 76 and I think he passed in 83. So it was him, you know, in his 50s or maybe closer to 60. So he would have been, yeah, he would have been 60, just turned 60. Yeah, wow. And he did yeah. that. And he still gives uh, a, quite a performance. <laughs> he doesn't play mm-hmm. guitar. He just sings with a band backing him. But he, it's great. Um, and in it, he lists all these different things. Uh, I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a hoochie coochie man. I'm a Rolling Stone. <laughs> and he's, and he's. But what these are are all song titles of his songs. References. References to yeah. other songs. It reminds me of the Joker by Steve Miller Band. I'm a Joker. I'm a smoker. I'm, some people call me the Space Cowboy. Some people call me the Gangster of Love. Those are earlier songs by Steve Miller, um, Space yep. Cowboy and Gangster of Love. So he's doing kind of the same thing there, uh, and I really like that. And Manish Boy is one of my favorite songs. And the other thing, uh, the lyrics, especially uh, some of the lyrics are very clever, really funny. Um, and kind of grab you. Uh, I really liked um, Young Fashioned Ways. Uh, I may be getting old, but I got Young Fashioned Ways. Uh, I'm going to find it. I'm going to love a good woman the rest of my days. If my hair is turning gray, I know you, you think the way I feel. There may be snow up on the mountain, but there's a thaw down under the hill. <laughs> 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 I, just, I just love it. <laughs> 
snow up yeah, on the mountain. Yeah, his lyrics are, are incredible. <laughs> I, they're quite good. Um, sometimes just really simple, but but yeah, lots of tongue and cheek stuff mixed in. Yeah, there. they're they're edgy, and but even in in Robert Johnson stuff from the '30s, uh, some of them were edgy and sexual. Um, you know, like it. We think of stuff from back then being very prim and proper and polite. You don't talk about that stuff in public. And right. there was a lot of artists. Um, I think a, a, a lot of you know more underground artists, maybe artists in different circles. I don't want to say exclusively black artists, but I think a lot of that because they were you know forced to create their own culture, and they did, and they expressed uh, their experience and their type of humor and the way they uh, experience things and maybe a lot of that too wouldn't have been very you know accepted in certain public places or family settings or religious settings but when you know when all the guys get together and start to chat as we do you know what do we talk about you know we talk about love we talk right. about women and we talk we talk about sex and we talk about we we make jokes and we tell funny stories you know so this is right, right, them yeah. expressing themselves and I love some of these uh some of these lyrics um uh at the end of that song uh a young horse is fast but an old horse knows what's going on uh, a young horse may win the race but an old horse stays out so long you know so it's like it's, you know there's double meanings there too and i i just love that and i love that we, we think of our especially artists today uh it's hard um for men and women i'd say probably more for women it's hard to be relevant and sexy and you know in tune as you start to age and especially for yeah. when a man gets older and gray he becomes distinguished but a woman gets you know when she gets older and has to wear more makeup and dye her hair uh, she she be, she looks she looks old and worn out you know and that's just a really horrible way to <laughs> for us to have to view people but that seems to be the the common way that men and women are viewed uh muddy waters here is saying hey man i'm i might be getting older but i'm still i'm still the, the <laughs> you know i'm i still yeah. we we yeah, got it right. going on and i'm still you know i'm still i know what's going on and i'm sexy and i'm you know all this stuff right he might not have said it that way obviously he didn't but <laughs> muddy waters if if yeah. So if he was born in 1915 and his this anthology covers starting in 1947, that means he was already in his 30s when he started recording, which is, I mean, today, most artists are in their late teens, or early 20s. So he was already in his 30s. So when he gets to the end of even this section in the 70s, he's already, you know, pushing, you know, he's over, uh, he's over 50. So he's not a young man. And sure, there's lots of competition in the music world, and he uh, he seems to be holding his own. Exactly, yeah. Anyways, that's just just another aside, but yeah, the the, the lyrics are are very entertaining on this album. If you dig if you dig into them, <laughs> I didn't in every song because sometimes, like I've said before, I'm not a lyrics guy. I was really you know into the music and into the rhythm, but some of them when I tuned in, yeah, they're they're pretty good. I agree. Do you have any other general comments on tracks before we kind of move on? I think this is an album that I'm glad I listened to, but probably won't be revisiting anytime soon. Um, which I think is fine. I, I, you know, I anticipate that there will be albums like this on this list. Yeah, um, it's certainly not an album that I was pulling my hair out. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I've 
I've uh, been sneaking a few albums in the next 20 or 30 and a couple of them I can I can barely get through a few tracks uh, so <laughs> um, so we've got some interesting stuff coming up this is not that it's not it's not no, um, an not album that I'm cringing about it in any way and I think just hearing you talk about some of the the, reminding me of the lyrics going on here, especially, you know, makes me appreciate it even more so than perhaps in the, the couple of listens leading up to this. Yeah, and I agree. I don't see sitting down and listening to this whole album again. I, I can see listening to a few tunes or maybe putting a few songs mm-hmm. in a playlist. Um, but no, I, I don't see listening to it. So given that, what uh, what song would you pick for our Spotify playlist? I, I think since it's the one song I kind of pulled out, it's that uh, <laughs> that lovely alliteration refrain, I love the life I live, I live the life I love, is my choice. Yep. How about for you? I'm going to pick um, uh, Rolling and Tumbling, part one. I just love the feel of that. That is a good one. Close second would be probably Manish Boy. Added and added. Given all that that we talked about, is this album still relevant? How do we answer that question for this? Yeah. I think it's a an incredible example of a genre style done by sort of the one of the all-time greats. Hmm. Um, it's, it's relevant in the same way that uh, any bit of... Uh, you know, really important history is relevant. We need to continue to hold it up yeah. as a reminder of, you know, what came before. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably, you know, if it's not going to pass our, you know, if we put it on on the street or in the club today, would anyone start bopping their head? Probably not. Um, but it's important. And uh, yeah. I guess that's different than, than relevancy. But uh but it's worth it's worth holding, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. For sure. I, <laughs> How would you describe it? Yeah, I th- the thing that came to my mind was almost uh, more like a a really good textbook. Like you you need it. You you if you're going to study it, you have to have it, um, and it's good. You know, some textbooks uh, you've probably kept some of your textbooks that you really enjoy. You're not going to look at them every day. But you needed to have them to build your foundation of knowledge, and uh, you yeah. go back to them from time to time. So, as influence, obviously, this is very relevant. If you went into a blues club anywhere in America, or probably many blues club around the world, you'd hear this music. You'd hear people covering Muddy Waters, right. and you'd hear probably them playing. If they had a playlist of blues tracks, you'd hear it there. I don't think you'd hear it anywhere else. Um, you wouldn't hear it on rock radio, classic rock radio. I don't think you'd hear a lot of youngsters playing this style of music unless, again, they were learning to play blues music. So I think, yes, in terms, again, in terms of this, this the educate, the study side of it and anybody who's still playing this, but in general, uh, probably not as much, but still very important. Well, what about uh, the question that is at the base of this podcast, really? Um this ranking we sort of started the episode by <laughs> questioning whether this was legitimately here based on yeah. the uh, <laughs> the people who were polled um right is this position at number 38 sound logic in general i'm still not sure how i feel about compilation albums being on this list hey money money waters music <laughs> had an immense impact on artists and music for the last seven decades but did this particular album 
I don't think we can say so. Um, and and uh, I said a similar thing when we talked about Elvis's Sun Sessions. You know, that right. album, didn't, that music did, and all that music you know from elvis was from all the singles and and the other the music he did in the sun sessions which led to his first album which was monumental and his career was monumental so why couldn't we have one of muddy waters studio albums here and do you think that they voted for that but then rolling so magazine said well let's but let's get this this anthology just came out a couple years ago and that covers his whole career well let's put that there and that's the way i I don't know i'm speculating but um i yeah yeah I feel the same way. I'm happy that Muddy Waters is represented here. And I'm glad that, that he has a place here at this point in the list. But again, I think it becomes a different list. It becomes, you know, most influential artists or, you know, 500 music. Yeah. Yeah. 500 uh, collections of music you should listen to, but 500 greatest albums. I don't know. So I still struggle with that. That being said, I'm glad I got to listen to it. I'm glad it's here. I'm glad he's represented here. And he is one of the most influential musicians, certainly in the blues and rock world of all time. So uh, yes and no at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's well said. I think for the sheer challenge of being able to listen to this entire album, I think mm, yeah. <laughs> that should give a pause about saying, is this actually an album? If you need two and a half hours to listen to it, um, that, you know, especially yeah. stacked up against all these LPs that are always, you know, in that 45 minute sweet spot. This just feels like a real different piece of music. Um, not just the genre, but the, the, the volume here and um and it's clearly not how the artists imagined these songs being put together Um, no so i'd be fine if there was another muddy waters actual album in this spot i i might feel like it's a little high but i don't i don't think this compilation album should be here or on the list at all really yeah and then that being said if uh if it wasn't i probably never would have listened to it yeah so that's a good point (laughs) yeah and and colin larkin would say you know in in his introduction to his uh book thousand albums all-time top thousand albums um a compilation album is not how the artist intended it to be released and it wasn't part of their releasing that art at that time but on the other hand, yep. they did make all that music. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think. <laughs> yeah. Think we're yeah. Um, we like to yeah. give, you know, if Muddy Waters wasn't your thing or Blues wasn't your thing, give give you some ideas of other songs to listen to. So, Ben, did you have a favorite cover from this album that you've heard? Nothing um, immediately came to mind, although just our conversation tonight makes me realize that... Uh, there's probably some things I'm overlooking. What I did find was a fantastic cover of I Just Want to Make Love to You by Etta James. Uh, she brings her like really powerful, soulful voice to that and, and makes it something, I don't know, really exceptional. Um, the other thing that I discovered uh, was a list uh, from Paste Magazine of their favorite Muddy Waters covers. And there are a lot of oh. bands on that list that show up on the top 500 albums lists. And so, I mean, I think if, if there's anything that I, uh, that makes me pause about like not wanting 
this compilation album on here, I look at that list of all these people who've covered his songs and I think, oh, well, yeah, you know, there is there is this track record of people, uh, of, you know, big famous bands going back to the Muddy Waters, uh, uh, I don't know, catalog from time to time to draw things out. And um, it's really interesting. I think, uh, you know, this is different in a sense talking about covers of this music because it came from an earlier time than most of the music that we've tackled so far and so i think there's been more time for people to cover some of this music there's also 50 tracks here <laughs> right for people yeah. to choose from but um huh. yeah A- anything for you stand out uh, as far as favorite covers well there was one that came to mind right away i wouldn't have known this if it wasn't for our review of the album not too long ago when we did led zeppelin's debut album led zeppelin um, it was then that I discovered oh, yeah. that their song. How could I forget? Yeah. On, on that album, You Shook Me was a Muddy Waters song. Um, so when I got to yeah. it on this album, I went, Oh, yeah, You Shook Me. That's Muddy Waters. So it was so cool to hear what Led Zeppelin does to that song. Like, just. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the, you know, not only the awesome, you know, guitar and drums and bass work, but the, the vocal performance, the wailing on You Shook Me is just like. They, they just take it to another place, which is really cool. And like we said before, when when a song has a good structure, has good bones, you can do a lot with it. Um, and we yeah. see that with, I think, both the Led Zeppelin cover and the Edda James cover you mentioned. So, yeah. Uh, and really cool. Yeah, check out that. Um, I was just looking at it as you were talking, that Pace Magazine um, great Muddy Waters covers. There's a lot of really well-known bands there, uh, and I'll have to check that out later. So that's cool. Um, so we want to talk about if there are any other albums by Muddy Waters, and there are two more, a number 282 Folk Singer, uh, which is one that I'm interested to listen to, uh, and I think is the most, his album that was most successful commercially, which I would have seen closer to this number, really. Uh, and then number mm-hmm. 348, um, a live album at Newport 1960 and we we also have opinions on live albums and we haven't come across one oh yeah we uh, James Brown we have had one live album James Brown live right, to follow right. um, so yeah so two more albums from Muddy Waters it'll be interesting to see how those compare yeah yeah I'm, I will have to wait a while but I'm excited <laughs> absolutely well hey I think you said it well uh, if this album wasn't on here uh, probably wouldn't have tackled it and right. I'm glad that I got the chance to listen yeah, to it, um, me too. even though it took two and a half hours to get through. <laughs> um, multiple, multiple I'm curious, uh, what do we have? What do we have coming up here in the next little bit? Well, next time, we hope that you join us again on the Sound Logic podcast when we uh, revisit our old friends, the Beatles, number thirty-nine. Please, please me, their debut album. It'll be nice to be oh. uh, with uh, the yeah. Fab Four again. Finally, yeah, it's been so long. <laughs> it's been so long. We want to say, uh, take care of yourself, and Ben, uh, we'll talk to you next time. You bet. Thanks, my friend. Always a pleasure. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our Sound Logic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.